Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we get started with today's show on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, a reminder about our friends at TickPick.com and the amazing $10 off your first order offer they have going. TickPick is the no-fee, the original no-fee ticket site. The what you see on the app or the webpage at the initial find of the tickets is what you pay at the finish line. No hidden fees. They believe in their products so much. If you do find a place with cheaper tickets, they'll match it up to 110%. Take advantage of the TickPick.com slash breakdown offer using that promo code breakdown to get $10 off your first order. Use it to go buy Browns Cardinals tickets this weekend. It's an opportunity you should take advantage of. TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K.com slash breakdown. $10 off your first order. Go take advantage today. We're talking defense, defensive comprehensive breakdown. It's it's not pretty, guys. It was, it was really ugly. And, uh, you know, if you're going to talk about the ugliness of this game, you got to look at some of the final scores. I mean, we talked about them in yesterday's podcast. They're really tough to look at, but you got you got to look at it as a tale of two halves. Just a reminder for where the Browns were at at halftime, they had held the Chargers to 13 points, held them to 168 yards, very much on the path, only 41 rushing, 127 passing, to have a very respectable day. Holding them to those 13 points, they had held Eckler to four four attempts for 17 yards. You felt really good about where they were at at halftime. I did. I thought they were going to keep them to about the 24 to 26-point range. And that was going to be enough to win the game because Cleveland already had 20 points at halftime, right? You felt pretty good about that. They were getting the football coming out. They go down and score. It's 27-13. And then the game takes a steep change, really in large part due to some of the aggression by the Chargers. Yeah, they ended up going 6 of 13 on third downs, but they went for fourth down four times. They got a penalty, a pass interference once, but the other three they were able to get. A fourth and two and a fourth and seven in one drive when they were both at 13. Sorry, when the score was 27-13. That big drive they were able to put together in the third quarter. Then in the fourth quarter with Cleveland up 35-28, fourth and eight, down at the Cleveland, uh, about the 24-yard line, they were able to complete another 20-yard pass on fourth and eight so you get three conversions and one penalty and then that six for 13 is not so bad anymore and it's just an example of so many opportunities Cleveland could have gotten off the field in key moments that didn't translate so they end up running 68 plays when you take out the penalty 7.3 a play 493 381 passing 112 rushing allowed created one turnover which was great right before half only got only got three points out of that turnover so that looms large when you look at the final score Metrics from the game, uh, best performances, Miles Garrett, 79.8 with the 75 pass rush grade, gets five total pressures, four hurries, a sack, and uh, really is responsible for Rashawn Slater, the rookie left tackle. They have his worst performance in the NFL. Slater is a 28.1 true pass set mark in this game and 25 pass sets with those four pressures and a sack allowed. He actually ended up letting two sacks go as he was responsible for the twist game they pulled there between McDowell and Garrett. He was responsible for that sack. That is, again, his worst mark of 2021, largely because of Miles Garrett. Greedy Williams with a 78.5 and 82.9 coverage grade. 
Not not enough good things to say about how greedy Williams is playing. He only allowed seven of eleven targets his direction for forty three yards. Thought he played phenomenal football. Had a pass breakup mixed in there too. He looks comfortable in this scheme, which is great because you're still down Denzel. And I don't know what happened, Denzel Ward in this game. He he was on the field and he was off. There was nothing between the play he was on the field and the play he left. There was nothing that showed in those nine snaps that something was wrong. He was just poof gone. And the next seems to be the issue. Again, trends are trends for Denzel, and this is another one of, uh, of you know, you only play nine snaps in a game, you're technically missing the whole game. So, moving on, other guys who played a lot of snaps and, and recorded a high grade, JOK with a 68 snap performance, highest by far of his career, 69.2 defense grade, 77.1 coverage mark, he had three stop tackles, he did miss one tackle where he created pressure into the backfield so that missed tackle doesn't bother me too much because he changed the course of the play he only allowed one catch uh, he actually forced a fumble on a catch by Eckler which was great to see you like that uh, it just the ball had happened to roll out of bounds he did give up two catches but only for 11 yards so the coverage stuff was really good effective stuff from him uh, Afedi Odenabo got some snaps. He got 16 snaps and had a 67.7 grade. AJ Green played 69 snaps and had a 66.9 grade, 64.3 in coverage. But he only allowed he only allowed three catches on nine targets for 39 yards, two pass breakups, and you know a bogus bogus call on that pass interference that he gets punished for. But he should not have been punished for that. So you know he gets and greedy. I should say greedy did have two penalties, one for holding. I think another one for the taunting where he was called back for the taunting that we saw Guyton get called for, whatever. So those, you know, that flag on A.J. Green should not have happened, whatever. So I don't know. I thought he played really well. Stepping in, playing pretty well. Uh, Malik McDowell plays 50 snaps, grades a 66.5. Thought he was strong. John Johnson was the only safety to really come out of this game without much of a blemish, according to Pro Football Focus's metrics, where he only was targeted once. And uh, he only gave up a 14-yard catch. Uh, the problem is at the bottom of this is where it gets ugly. You know, you had Anthony Walker with a 51.9 grade, and then you get into real ugly territory. Troy Hill with a 39.2, Ronnie Harrison 36.6, and three touchdowns allowed. Malik Jackson 36.6, Malcolm Smith. Uh, he only played three snaps, so I'm not going to take his grade very seriously. I don't know what's up with only three snaps. I think it's strange. Whatever, 23 snaps was all Grant Delpit played because I don't know what happened there either. I mean, he's traditionally played more snaps than this, but 26.6 grade for him. He allowed two catches for 101 yards is what he's credited with because he busted on that first long touchdown in quarters. His eyes got caught carrying number two's uh, sail route and just didn't cover the post. From what we can gather from film, that's what we see. He gets credited with that touchdown. Ronnie Harrison just completely busts the quarters coverage doesn't even honor number two coming on a deep over route, deep post route, whatever you want to call it, when they rolled right and threw it back. Mike Williams wide open. So he gets that one. Ronnie Harrison gets the uh, early touchdown that was allowed on the play action that they dropped it down to the tight end on a delay. He is uh, he's sort of the middle of the field, sorry, weak, weak hook defender. Gets credited for that one and also takes blame on the screen pass touchdown as well. So Rough metrics down here. Troy Hill allows in this game, and again, a tough penalty. He allowed a fourth down catch. He had a tough penalty on a on a third down play where they stopped him, but he got called for holding. He goes five of six allowed in his direction, 76 yards. Okay, 
You know, we talked about Ronnie Harrison, three for four in his direction, 83 yards, three touchdowns. You can't win with this. I thought, look, the injuries are tough, and we've talked about these injuries that are mounting up, but they're really not that crazy when you think about it. All the safeties that normally play, played, right? You know, and then you look at Greedy played 62 snaps. They're really, you're missing, you're missing a couple important pieces. You're missing Denzel Ward, but A.J. Green played pretty well, right? He stepped in and played pretty well in 69 snaps, as far as we can tell. You're missing Jadevian Clowney, but I thought Tack McKinley, who created three pressures, uh, one hurry, one uh, two hits, one hurry, almost had a sack. I thought Tack McKinley played pretty well. So you're missing a little bit of depth, but Troy Hill played. All your guys played. You're just missing Greedy and Gray, or sorry, not Greedy, but Greg and Denzel. But again, those corners played well enough on the outside where those guys traditionally play. So in my opinion, we got a little too carried away with blaming injuries. I just thought the safeties were between Ronnie and Grant were were terrible. And Troy Hill did not play well. Played really poorly. The coverage grade for those three guys, 41.6, 40.7, 28.5. You can't have that. So that's where the game kind of comes down to. You, you get three... I counted seven blown coverages in this game. Now, not all of them are magnified by a deep bomb touchdown, but that's a ton of blown coverages. I'm talking guys doing the wrong things at the wrong time, going to the wrong places and giving up completions. It's 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 like the cardinal sin of this defense. You cannot miscommunicate when you play the type of defense they play. It's always about communication in these zone coverages. And to see seven, counting seven of those, blown coverages in some form or fashion that allowed a completion or allowed a play, not even including the run lanes. And by run lanes, I mean I mean pass rush lanes where you lose contain. I mean, Herbert had three runs in this game for 30 yards and a touchdown. He created another first down on another run. So, again, the mobile quarterback stuff is there, but this game boiled down to coverage blown, blown assignments and coverage. And that re- directly related to three very easy touchdowns and that's 21 points, and that's how you go from 13 points at the half to end up giving up 47. They're, they just lost their way in this game, and you cannot, with the philosophy of this defense, you cannot give up that many big plays. It just can't happen. You can't allow a quarterback like Herbert, who's already pretty good, to have four touchdowns on each of them. Each of the touchdowns recorded were wide-open throws, meaning a defender was not within five yards of the receiver at the time of completion. Huge problem. Can't happen. It's just the way this defense is structured, it can't happen. The Browns were only able to get 12 drop-back pressures. So Herbert, when pressured, 3 of 8, 55 yards, and he was only pressured on 12 dropbacks. So, you know, a couple of those he scrambled, and only 10 of those were responsibility of the O-line. So there's a couple blitzes in there, and we're going to talk some of those numbers in a second. But talking about blitzes, they blitzed nine times. I counted as seven true blitzes in this game. A couple other times they had a late peel when the fifth guy came. And one time it was a late green dog that wasn't really, again, green dogs are not called blitzes. They're not, they're not a guaranteed five. You get five if you get the right setup. But again, that's not, that's not a true one. So we'll say seven. And on those seven, Herbert, two for seven for 28 yards when blitzed. Two for seven for 28 yards when he was blitzed. Here's the, here's the part you don't like to hear. 24 of 36 for 370 and four touchdowns when they didn't blitz. Yikes. That's a problem. On those 12 dropbacks with pressure, sack twice, again, two scrambles, one for a first down. 
Play action throws in this game for Herbert. 10 of 15 for 148 and those three touchdowns. Non-play action, just as good. 16 of 28 for 250 and a touchdown. They accounted for 213 yards after catch, even more than Cleveland, and it was like a record-setting Cleveland Browns yak performance. I couldn't tell you the last time they had 200-plus yak, and the Chargers still had more. Okay? I don't know, man. I'm frustrated, you're frustrated, but if you listen to Kevin Stefanski's presser, presser today, he talked about miscommunications, and man, miscommunications were everywhere in this game. Everywhere. And it's just like, I haven't seen busted coverages like that in so long. I, I just don't know where the guys were. I don't know what the, the miscommunicate. like why were they miscommunicating? Was it due to a new linebacker in there? I mean, there's just times where... They're turned around trying to communicate what it is. The ball snapped, and they just look lost. And it's like, man, I haven't seen that in so long. And it's not been a problem this year. I understood it last year with the first year, D.C., but this year it's troubling. So 68 plays, to give you some more metrics, 16 snaps in base. 15 of those 16 were against 12 personnel, a couple more against two backs. So they're, again, matching personnel. This is a fun little uh, anecdote here. They played 38 nickel snaps, 13 of those reverse 12 personnel, which means they were not always matching base with 12 personnel. They were willing to be flexible with that and keep nickel in even when uh, the Chargers were trying to get get them out of that, get them in base. So that's why JOK had a, had a massive uptick. And then 14 snaps of dime. A couple of those dime snaps were against 20 personnel, so three uh, wide receivers, two backs, and then there were two dime snaps against 12 personnel as well. So a bit more flexibility there from from Woods than we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, Typical stuff in coverage. They played one cover zero snap on the goal line. They played 11 cover one snaps. And again, three of those 11, they played 13 technically, but three there was a penalty. So their man-to-man coverage was not good enough when you have three penalties out of 13 snaps. So you only technically, again, they only played, uh, sorry, 14 snaps with three penalties. They only played 11 uh, true counted plays there. No cover two. They played 31 snaps of cover three. The quarters coverage was the biggest issue in this game. 22 snaps in quarters. I think three of the touchdowns came in quarters, which is, again, it's not normal for them. It's not normal. Cover six, they played two snaps, quarter, quarter, half, and then they played one snap of two-man. So, you know, th- those are the metrics I have for you. I- I'm, I'll have more detailed breakdown on this stuff inside the All-22 notes that I will post uh, today. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'll get those defensive scouting notes posted, compare some of the metrics they have here to what they've done throughout the year. But, man, just to me, a tale of two halves. They only missed six tackles on the day, so they tackled pretty well. It's not an egregious number of missed tackles. I didn't think there were many that a missed tackle led to a huge play, like I thought on the other side of the football, the Chargers defense struggled with that. But, you know, for the sake of this game, the worst total defense grade from Pro Football Focus at a 53.3, the worst run defense score of the year for them, even though they only gave up 115, it was their worst mark of the year, 55.3 and their worst coverage grade at 50.1 of the year. And that's how you let up 47 points. And you think about it, man, to let up 30-plus points and a half, like, what happens? What happens? And they they just were on their heels the entire second half and did not have an answer for what the Chargers were doing to them. And it's really disappointing because they did have opportunities, several, 
fourth down opportunities to get off the field and they couldn't capitalize on it. And that's the story of the game, guys. You give up four fourth down in the second half. Four fourth downs faced in the second half and all of them were, one of them was a penalty and three others were completed. And that's it. That's a wrap. That's how it goes. So, you know, that's the story of this game. Missed opportunities when they needed to make some plays and the safety play was bad. Again, we're talking about injuries. You'd love to have Greg, you'd love to have Denzel, and you'd definitely love to have Clowney. But it's not like those spots were the spots that hurt them in this game. It was the safety play and the nickel play that really ended up being the problem. And that's concerning because those guys are on the field every single week. How do you get that fixed? How can we not see the same communication errors? I need more out of John Johnson. You signed him to big money. I need him to make some difference-making plays. He's got to step up to the plate. Okay, Troy Hill, up and down, playing nickel in the NFL as an SOB, man. It's not easy, but he got worked Sunday. And you win or die with your guy sometimes, and he got worked, especially worked in the second half. You know, and Ronnie Harrison, I would say that's his most disappointing game in a Cleveland Browns uniform. So I don't know. Don't have an answer. Not included in press conferences, so I can't ask those questions. And even if you do, you saw, I mean, if you look at the, the presser questions, there was a question about it. And they keep it general. They don't pinpoint who's at blame. But boy, I have not seen this defense, even when they struggled the first two weeks, bust that many coverages in a single game. So we'll see. It's going to be apparently an up and down season in terms of defense and and how they're able to perform. You you, you didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback because I didn't think the coverage was good enough Uh, in certain spots. Again, I thought Greedy and A.J. Green played pretty good. Pretty good football at the corner positions, but there are other parts of the secondary. The guts of the secondary on the inside really struggled in this one. And to only let the Chargers have 23 minutes of possession, you know, you turn them over and you and you can't win this game. It's tough. It's tough from the defensive side. So, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that and hope that they can they can rebound in a, uh, in a in a in a tough scenario here with the Cardinals coming in. But yeah, we'll leave it at that. We're gonna switch over to our Twitch Monday replay. Every Monday, I throw this up for my time on the Monday Rewind. This is from everything uh, Baker Mayfield film room and after Stephen Thomas, Jared Mueller. Let's get over to that part right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'll bring you guys in now. You can finish this film room with me. What's up, guys? What's going on? Hey, boys. 
I agree with every single thing you've said so far. I just, love, I think you're spot see, I, on. I like, I like that about you. All right, now we're to the final drive. I think there's a buck 30 left on the clock, if I'm correct. Uh, buck 30. So now we got to get completions and we got to move. Okay. This is fine. I would have liked to have gotten out of bounds here. They don't get out of bounds. It's a good, it's a good enough read. He gets congested. They're squatting middle of the field to take away uh, Higgins. So that's not really a possibility. You could consider Odell, but he's on a curl. I'm fine with this throw. Get on the ball. Move quickly. I guess I don't have to move the film quickly. It's not going to change the outcome, is it? <laughs> yeah. What I don't – hey, Jake, I don't know about you, but I don't love that all of those routes are are in-breaking mostly except for Higgins' option route, which brings him outside. But all of those ended up in the middle of the field with not a ton of time left. Which I don't hate if you think they're going to take sidelines away from you. Really, they didn't take sidelines away. They They really didn't. Um, so you, 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 you really could have taken more advantage. You see what I'm talking about? I mean, like high, right. high side, you got, you got a chance to throw some things. Now this one's tough. I mean, we dropped this ball off, which again, nice block down here by hands. Look at hands, put both on the ground. That's beautiful. Um, boy, I would love an extra half second again, when the decision's already made, but this route from Higgins is like working right into a lovely little window and this this defender is has been working out it's it's gonna be there it's got a chance to throw it here but the ball's dropped down here so again i get it he's the pressure stuff you're trying to help your line out um but <sighs> you see it you see it after it's it's you know hindsight's 2020 or whatever but there's some opportunities that it's like man really wish we could have found that one and taking a chance right like that would be a big boy throw to anticipate it throw it over top of derwin and drop it in it's a hard throw but hey man shout out to hands here you don't see bosa get put down very often like that strong hands yeah, on the ball on the ball again i get it we're trying to catch the ball and get out of bounds but they know that too and boy would you like to just hang a second and watch this I mean, watch the safety sit flat, and I know the ball's already out, but even off the snap, he's not bailing, and this is just like typical three-layered stuff. This is the almost the identical concept that they hit Mike Williams on for a touchdown, Chargers did. Wouldn't you like to give 13 a chance to run under this post? I don't know. I mean, I know the ball is out really fast, but you, you're reading as a quarterback, you're reading the safety's feet. Is he bailing center field? Is he bailing vertically, or is he squatting? If he's squatting, I'm taking the post. I get it, though. I, and He's trying to stop the clock. He's trying to get it to his back. The Chargers also know he's trying to get it to his back to throw it quick. I'd like to see him hang in and read that one a little longer, and I see Do Odell's heads telling me the same thing. I just uh, – they're just off, dude. Like, they're off. The the, the vision of the quarterback and, and the decision-making of the quarterback are just not always in sync with what – uh, what is coming open and again they threw for 302 yards it's hard for me to be mad but 202 of those were yak yards so they made they made a lot of great efforts as well now this is a popular play that has come across social um not this one again i really would love to utilize the sideline here but middle of the field throw trying to get first downs you got to get first downs to stop the clock. I think we're what, how much time's left? 26 seconds now. You clocked it. It's second down. This is the play that's been pretty popular. 
I don't have a problem with where this ball was thrown. I think he thinks he can get it over top. And as he separates, again, we talk about this. If you take a still shot right here, you're like, oh, my God, how did he miss him? But look at what the safety is doing when he separates the hands and understand who he's reading. He's reading, can we get leverage on that safety? Now, they're doing a nice job of taking the backside safety when Odell number is, you know, these two are exchange releasing. uh, One's going technically two is going vertical one's releasing so he knows i have zero threat over here i'm cutting anything to the high side of the field here because i have zero threat watch him realize oh they're both disappearing i'm gonna cut i'm reading quarterback's eyes baker separates because at this point he drives on odell and takes care of it it's not happening but you got one option which is the deep portion of the field here on the post right and it's just covered well covered well now that's not the same coverage if you go back guys and watch the the similar read the quarterback had on odell's throw right here this backside safety is he has to honor these two receivers you guys see what i'm talking about how he has to honor these two right here so he stays wide and if you give odell a chance you have a real shot up the hash here so that's uh that's the difference this this concept right here that I'm going to show you in just a second, erases everything backside. So this guy can really haul his ass, sorry, his butt right back, uh, <laughs> right to the high side and cut that play down. So it's DOA. I think the next play is uh, a Hail Mary throw, and I think that's it, right? Or it's third and yep. 11, or am I off a play? Oh, it's third and 11. Oh. It's not a terrible throw. I don't mind the decision trying to put it on the sideline to him not with yeah with 20 seconds left yeah i don't i don't mind it i mean you could argue and try to talk about odell middle of the field but again you're trying to put the thing on the sideline to get a catch and a stop of the clock so i didn't mind that at all but you know at this point you're you're at 20 seconds 15 seconds and you're trying to take shots down the field you're going to try to give a chance there I, i and then this is the hail mary which is again Tackled. I don't really understand. I thought Higgins would maybe try to find the ball. Like, it didn't land very far from him, and he kind of quits. I mean, I know that David's, like, on the ground right there, but wouldn't you? I don't know. Anyway, they lost, so that's all I got. Uh, we'll try to get this thing out of here now, stop sharing my screen, bring everybody in. Um, what's up, guys? How are you? Love and life, love and life. Listen, they're still three and two, so. They are. They are three and two. So let's kind of go through. If you guys want to ask some big picture questions, I'm I'm curious of what you guys, I'm sure you didn't watch all of that, but uh, the offense, we didn't watch the run game, but they clearly dominated in that phase. Uh, it's hard to get really mad at them. Do you Do you sit here in yourself? I'll ask you first, Steve. Do you sit here and think like, the offense should have figured it out at the end of the game, or is it, man, they gave up 47 points. Why are we complaining about the offense? Yeah, 42 points should be enough to win a football game. Um, that's just the way it is. Now, can you question uh, nitpick things? Yeah, of course. I, in real time, sitting in the stadium, the second-to-last series, I said, boy, I, I just really didn't like that sequence of play calls. But, again, you know, you look at the – I'm sure you showed it before I came on, the second down throw where – uh, uh, Odell was open and probably could have gotten the first down uh, if he makes the right read and delivers it on time to 13 there. Maybe it all doesn't matter. And then, 
you know, the, the draw play on third and 10, I know has been a popular whipping boy so far today. And that's understandable. I get it. That's fine. But the thing I'm saying is this, how many times have they popped a third and 10 draw or a second and 15 draw this year? I mean, just last week on the drive right before the half, it was what second and 17 and Kareem busts one for 37 yards and they end up getting a score out of it. So, you know, I've over 500 yards of offense, no turnovers, 42 points. You should be able to win a football game. You're on the road against mm-hmm. one of the best teams in the AFC, and you're you're on your what? Fourth and fifth cornerback. You don't have your number two edge. Your top interior defensive lineman is hobbling on and off the field. Uh, you're down how many safety? I mean, you know, they got carved up by a really good offense and a really good offensive coordinator. Now, can you say, well, they had them 90 seconds. They should have gone down and score. I get that. I understand that. I, I'm with you, you know, and and I said it at the time. I turned to my dad who was sitting next to me and I said, Hey, you want to be a $40 million a year quarterback? You, you go 75 yards in 90 seconds with no timeouts. You got to figure out a way to do this. But there's a difference between they, they nitpicking one play here, two plays there. They should have done this. They should have done that. And what I've seen a lot on social media today, which is blaming the loss on six and Kevin Stefanski, which just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, so did I like it? No. I mean, the experience of SoFi Stadium was unbelievable. It was a, everything but the W was fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it was a fan, it's just a ridiculous stadium. If you get to go, it's, it's insane. Uh, and it was a tremendous football game. It was emotionally draining uh, on both sides. And I was just done by the time we left. But did it really change my thought process on this team? Not really. The offense is a machine like we yeah. thought they've been. And I think if they get healthy, I don't think it's going to be the, the level the defense is going to play the last two weeks. I don't think they're seven and six points a game defense, but I think they're much better than 47 most weeks of the year. So did it really change my thinking? No, not really. But it was, yeah, it was frustrating. And I understand why everybody's frustrated. Yeah. Defensively. It's like the two breakdowns are tied into safety play more than anything else. And it's like, the safeties haven't, they weren't hurt. Grant Delpa played, Ronnie played, John played, they weren't hurt. So it's like, there were just some, I have not seen miscommunications to that degree in a long time. Oh yeah. And it was really strange. And, and, and it does, it is a blame for everybody thing, Jared. And the question in front of us here is talking about taking the ball out of Baker's hands on third and 10. And, and I have thought a lot about this because I made reference to it on my pod last night about how this is, uh, it was, you know, could this be a sign or or what? No, I, I think that Kevin just, and he said it today, he's sick about the decision that he made uh, to do what he did there. And and uh, I, I don't think it's a lack of trust because he has let Baker make those plays in the past or try to, especially just think to last week, right, Jared, where he let him throw the, the final throw there that they couldn't connect on. There has always been trust. You know, eventually someone loses trust, it turns, but I don't think that's the case here. I just think he thought they could play defense and hold him and get one stop, right? Like, it's it's probably something you don't have to read too much into other than Kevin just probably wants it back, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the fourth and fifth tackles, right? And you have Baker Mayfield limited, um, and you have, you know, the Chargers knowing exactly what's going to happen. I think we do such a a poor job in general of letting the result decide how we analyze a game, right? And so the reality is, is this game could have been the Browns game with one or two changes, literally one. 
uh, in a few different places. But because they lost, all of a sudden, Kevin Savansky, Baker Mayfield, it, it they're bad. They didn't do well. Whatever it is, um, I think we just we oversimplify it too many times. Uh, and so, you know, one of those Mike Williams touchdowns goes awry, right? That they actually cover him, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the pass interference that everybody's talking about. A lot of things could have happened that are one play. And then we get dangerously close to that kind of quarterback wins conversation, right? Tom Brady won a Super Bowl because the Seattle Seahawks didn't hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. And yet we talk about Tom Brady because he won that Super Bowl. I think we just get so close to that when we become results oriented and then look back and say, well, Baker, Stefanski, whatever, again, 42 points, 500 yards, all of that, no turnovers. We can easily look at the defense. They were terrible, right? The the first Mike Williams uh, touchdown, Troy Troy Hill literally turned to Grant Delpit, was talking to him when the ball got snapped. Greedy was Delpit. on the backside doing the same thing. They were they clearly didn't know what they were doing. It was yeah. clear as day, right? Yeah, no clue. So it was, you know, just all of that. But if the defense can make any stop, I mean, think if the defense played like they did the last couple of weeks and the score is 42 to 20. All of a sudden, Baker Mayfield's amazing. 305 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Literally nothing would have changed except the results. And I think we just simplify it too much. I get it. They need to win. I absolutely understand that. They need to beat some good teams. Absolutely. But we need them to do that in January, right? Like that's when that has to happen. That needs to happen in December. Those are the primary things. It just gets too easy to look at the end result and then work our way backwards in our analysis. And I think it's lazy. Um, and I love doing it myself. It's hard not to, right? You know, it's, it's, you get really frustrated after those games and you want to like, who deserves the blame here kind of thing. That's what starts to happen. And everybody deserves a piece of the blame here. You know, I don't, I certainly don't think it's isolated, but I think to beat Steve, I'll throw this to you. Like we think the chargers are good. I obviously think they're pretty good. Uh, offensively at least you you know all four of Justin Herbert's touchdowns were with nobody within five yards of the wide receiver and that's and uh, listen they could have ultimately scored touchdowns on those drives who am I to know even if the Browns found a way to not either a take him off that read or b broken up those passes uh, or c tackled them upon catching they could have scored on those but you certainly can't give up those easy throws because that changes everything it changes the momentum and and the Chargers are leading at that point, certain points in the game where they're up. Browns are double up on, on time of possession, all of it, right? Like the the biggest thing about Joe Wood's defense, he preaches no big plays. And it was a real letdown. It was almost a real punch in the gut for where they've been, you know, for the last two weeks to see this, excuse me, to see this sort of happen is is tough. It was a real like step in the wrong direction for them. Yeah, and I've I've seen some people say they take that to that nugget that you said all of his they were wide open on his throws and they like then extrapolate that out to say oh we didn't make him work no man if you want I was there that dude made some tight window throw the one on where he yeah. rolled to his right and lofted it on third and seventeen or whatever that was just a ridiculous throw yeah and you know people want to say oh there's one play it's rarely one play but I will say this. There were six or eight different times the Browns had an opportunity in front of them on offense and on defense to put it away, to put the final nail in the coffin, and they failed every single time, okay? You go all the way back to Odell dropping that ball that hits him on fourth down in the red zone. 
uh, in the first first quarter or early second quarter, whenever that was. That puts them up two scores. They're up 27 to 13 when the Chargers rolled the dice correctly, I might add. Twice. Fourth and two Twice. on their own 23-yard line. Yeah. If you stop them there, even if you only get three, it's now a three-score game. Yeah with just about 15 minutes left, how many fourth and whatevers did they give up? How many third and 10 plus did they give up? And again, I'm not here to, to pick on individual guys. Like we've said a couple of times, the injuries at certain positions are ludicrous at this point on that defense. I mean, that wasn't the same defense personnel wise that went out and gave up seven, six points, seven and six points the last two weeks. It just wasn't. They were, I mean, Billings played the most snaps he's played all year. I, MJ Stewart was in the game till he pulled his, pulled his hamstring. AJ Green played very well, but he played almost the whole game because Denzel went down early. I mean, the, the, they had so many chances to put the final nail, nail in the coffin. And when you have an offense like the Chargers, and a, I'm just going to say it, a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who's a friggin' stud in the making, you cannot let them up off the mat that many times. You play with that fire that much, you are going to get burned. And they ended up getting burned. And two, you know, you you the only I get it. Like you're gonna play Lamar, you're gonna play Kyler this weekend. Uh, you're gonna play. You already played Herbert. You played P Pat Mahomes. They're good. They're gonna get theirs, right, guys? But right. you just can't make it easy. You can't give them those easy throws. Make all I ask you to do. I'm fine with getting beat on throws that make you go really, really. But the throws that are like wide open, busted coverages, you you just can't you can't beat those quarterbacks. You can't beat them that way. I wanted to share something because it ties into my next question. I'm going to throw to you, Jared, if I can figure out on this uh, handy dandy computer how to share my screen again. Uh, three, two, one. We got it shared. This is um. Well, I thought I did. That's embarrassing. <laughs> While you're working oh, on that, there it is. Thanks to uh, Eagle and One for gifting those five tier one subs. We appreciate you. Thank yeah. you so much. You're always gifting subs. We love it. We appreciate every single one of them. Thank you. This in front of you is the metrics for quarterback efficiency the first five weeks of the season. Again, Jordan Zerms shared this with me. Shout out to him for that. Third and fourth downs this year. Uh, the negative 0.4. Uh, EPA and the completion percentage above expectation is down to 10% below the expected completion percentage. You see where Baker's hanging out. You start to say, I understand the decisions to go for these, right, Jared? I get it. I get what the data tells you, but you also start to think about the impact it has on your team's morale when you don't get those first downs. Have you thought to yourself or, and Steve, you can inject, you know, interject at the end of whatever Jared has to say here because it's an important topic. Are they not not understanding their own team with these third, these fourth down decisions? Like, are you feeling like they're making the right ones with these, or do you feel like, man, they are not getting them? It's it can be just as good to just get some points here and there. I don't know. I see both sides of the argument, but these data, these two data points in front of me are concerning. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you can extrapolate it and think through it in a lot of ways. Baker Mayfield's terrible when they know he's got a throw and, you know, some of those kind of things. I think the fourth down calls have been the right decisions pretty much every time. Uh, TA did some data analysis on, you know, the Browns are a little bit ahead on point expectations uh, based on what they've done on fourth down versus kicking field goals. Um, but in the end, what is really difficult for me is I think Kevin Stefanski is uh, saved his worst play calls for fourth down. 
Like it, it, everything it seems to break down on fourth down. Not obviously that uh, that's a little hyperbole, but it, it really feels like he's lost some of his magic, uh, whether that's because Jarvis Landry's out, uh, you know, the tackles, I don't know, but I've really been disappointed in his play calls uh, in third and fourth down. And I don't think Baker Mayfield has played well in those either. I just don't think they're setting up success uh, in a lot of those plays. I just think the decisions are right. Uh, but the call seems to be wrong every single time. And it's just really frustrating to see Baker just getting smashed for a, a 10 yard sack. I think it's three or four times uh, on, on an important fourth down. That's, that's like the crux of my question, Steve, is what Jared's saying. Yeah, they're making the right decision, but it just seems like they can't get out of their own way. So do you start to tell yourself, Maybe it's wise in this situation, which it seems like most of their fourth downs guys have come on the real plus side of the field. They don't make, listen, I, cool. I, I get it. Uh, a fourth and two at your own 20. It's a big risk in the situation. Ooh. Like the score was 27, 13 at that point. Right, Steve, when they made the fourth and two call. It so, was the right call. Yeah. It's just like, that's a lot because that game could be over at that point or the fourth and seven, they went for an even longer one. And I think they went for a fourth and 10 plus. Well, later in the game I got, it's just like, man, these, these calls, the chargers are clearly good. Look at what their quarterback is doing in these scenarios. It's not just the quarterback. It's everybody. I get it. But are the Browns going to need to reflect a little bit on this? Or do you just say, do it, keep doing it, man. You got to keep doing it. And it'll, it'll write itself eventually. Well, it's a bad bet if you lose, right? Everybody, everybody said, why'd you go all in? Well, because I had the odds in my favor, but you lost. That doesn't matter. I still have the odds in my favor. If you're 93% favorite in poker and you lose the hand, did you make the wrong decision? No, you made the right decision, but you lost to the deck. Now, there is no deck to lose to in football. There's execution. And I think that's where the problem comes. Does anybody have a problem with the, with the fourth down call that hit Odell between the one and the three? I thought that was schemed up pretty well, yeah. you know. I mean, and the 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 couple on in the um, the Houston game, I think it was uh, the two consecutive fourth downs. I think we had a false start, or or no, Jed didn't know the snap count and he got beat on one, and then there was another. That's execution stuff, you know. That that has nothing to do with the analytics, with the numbers that tell you go for it or don't go for it. That's executing the actual play. Now, whether or not some guys have been open and Baker has missed them, you know, that that's for you to tell us. You're the, you're the film guy. Uh, but as far <laughs> as do I think they should throttle back? No, I think that sends the wrong message to your team that you don't believe in them, that you don't trust them. Now, maybe in a certain – there are some situations, like if you're up four or up five or something like that, and, and it's fourth and 12 with a minute and a half left. Or well, let's do like this, that. Steve. Let's talk then about this you scenario. Take the points, okay. you know, but if it's fourth and one, maybe it's a different thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes Hear me like out. that. Hear me out. It's fourth yeah. and 10. They just, they, they, it's second and 10. They throw it. Don't complete it. There's three minutes left on the clock, Steve. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your punter's terrible. You know that he's struggled. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it. He's been bad. It's fourth and 10. This, this was something that was discussed with me and I shared it on the pod last night. It's not fourth and 10. They run it. It's third and it goes from third and 10 to fourth and what? Six or five. Mm -hmm. Would you consider going for it? Would you consider going for it? Because a, 
I know my defense is getting throttled. At that point, they'd given up three straight touchdown possessions. I don't feel good at 42-41 stopping these guys from going down and scoring. What? Why not go for it? If we're going to be these guys, let's go for it. If they score, we we miss, whatever. It's, it's their ball at the 25-yard line. There's three minutes left. They score. We keep all of our timeouts. We keep the two-minute warning. And we're the last ones to play offense the final drive the way we want to. Instead of being 130 and no timeouts and right. having to throw. So that's where it's like, okay, where do we draw the line? Is it that's that's a question I would ask. Would you guys have been okay with them saying, hey, we're going for this thing on fourth and five? We're going for it because we think we got to be the last ones with the football. So I'm curious, what do you guys, Jared, what do you think? Should they have gone for that? I want a team to be real to themselves and I want them to die on their own sword. And so yeah, I I think I I mean again, the results would have been like, oh, why'd they do that? But the reality is is if you really believe in yourself and you believe in your play calling, which I don't think they did at the end, right? So that's really the key. But be yourself, like win and lose your way. And so you look at the numbers and you go, listen, they get the ball at the 25 or they get the ball at their 25, they're probably scoring, right? Like that's the way. The I mean, guys, they got the ball. Playing. They punted Jared and they ended up, the punt was so bad. Yard they got it at the like 46. That. It would turn the field 30 yards. It's like, right. Then the next play guys, they come out and throw for 30 yards down the left sideline. No one covers right. Jared cook. So all I'm well, saying is if you're reading your team, if I, I get it, I probably looking at a, at a statistical chart in front of you, like, Hey, idiot, you got to lead punt it back, pin them. But we don't have a guy that can flip the field. It's awesome. These NFL teams who have a punter who can punt the ball from their 20 yard line and the other team gets it at their 20 yard line. That's not the case in Cleveland right now. It's a problem. So like, if I know my team, I know how we're playing. I know we're dinged up on the defensive side of the football. They're probably going to score. I wonder if Kevin is thinking to himself today, Hmm, should I have gone for this in dictated terms at the end of the game? Because if you're going to be aggressive, go Brandon Staley aggressive and be aggressive. Be aggressive. That's all I'm That's saying. Where I, and, and I said it during, in the stadium. I turned to my brother and I said, they should go for this. I get, I understand. And the numbers probably don't bear it out. It probably was a negative situation as far as strictly by the numbers. But I think they should go for this because everything you just said, uh, uh, Gillen's not hitting the ball. He's just not. I mean, you know, I've held out longer than most people, hoping he would find his find his rookie form again. I just don't think it's coming back. No. And at that point, they only needed a field goal. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, this guy's missed two extra points. It would be completely Cleveland for him to have hit a 57-yarder at the buzzer or something sure. like that. I said, so, you know, with with Hammer kicking from what, the, the 15 or something was where he made connection? I'm like, at best, unless he gets lucky and just hammers one, at best, they're starting around their own 40, and they really only have to go about 20 yards. The, the defense had been carved up. They were exhausted. They were completely gassed. There was no way. There was absolutely no way they weren't at least getting into field goal range. So, yes. Now, I will say this, and I'll repeat what I said when I first came on. If you want to say that decision cost them the no, game, no, I no, think no, you're no, wrong. No. And yeah. I'm not saying you're saying that, Jake. Yeah. I'm uh, saying there are people out there who are saying it. You are wrong. There were 10 other times that they could have put that game away. Okay? You want to pick on that decision? I'm with you. I, I think they should have gone for it. But that single play, that single sequence of play calls, was not the reason yeah. that they lost the game. And that's where I just get exhausted with social media and situations like this. Yeah, it's all it's a cumulative effect. It's a cumulative effect of a mul multiple different things that should have turned. It, it felt a lot like Kansas City, where it's like, okay, they're, they, 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 you look at it and you want to blame one person, you can't. It's it's very rarely in a, in a team sport of 11 other people on the field with you at the same time, one person, one coach, 
it's tough. You know, if the if the pass interference on that fourth and four call doesn't happen, oh, horrible. It's it's uh, it's, yeah. it's it's a different game. They can go down there and score, go up to two possessions, and it changes everything. There's a lot of that. It was a weird game. It was just they a stopped, really they weird They stopped game. the fourth and two in the third quarter and punch it in. Now it's 34 to 13. Yes. And it even as bad different. as the defense was playing, I don't think they were, they could have caught up at that point. So yep. they had so many chances to put that game away and they just continued to not do it. Part of that was execution on certain things. And then, like I keep saying, I don't want to keep making excuses. Whoever's out there has got to make a play. But at a certain point, your fourth and fifth corner are going to give stuff up. That's why you're they're your fourth and fifth corner yeah. and not your first and second corner. That, yeah. There's a reason they're at that point on the depth chart. Yeah. So, you know, I, it was what it was. I, you know, 42 points should be enough to win an NFL football game. I don't care where you are and who you're playing against. Yesterday it wasn't. Jared, talk real, the way it is. It is. It is. You're right. Jared, talk about Kevin and, and, and Baker, like, how do you do you think these two are in harmony or do you have some some rumbles in your stomach that they're not well i what's really interesting is we've seen more empty and more shotgun this year than we saw last year i don't have the data in front of me cody can find that and figure all those cool things out um but they seem to be in shotgun a lot more than they have been in the past and empty uh especially with jed wills limited and all that's going on we it's important to look back on the fact that Baker and Stefanski talked about they worked together on the playbook this year and and what the game plans were going to look like and all of that kind of stuff. I do think there's a feeling out process. I think last year Stefanski said, my offense, we're going to do it my way. You prove that you can do it my way. We'll see what happens. And then I think this year they're trying to integrate a little bit of what Baker liked from college and, and even his early times in the pros. And I still think they're trying to figure each other out. They're trying to figure out what works best. Cause I think we're just seeing plays that, that just, we're seeing some play calls and some plays that seem more Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma, more Freddie kitchens, you know, early career Baker Mayfield than we saw last year with Kevin Stefanski. So I'm just thinking they're still trying to figure each other out. And then on the defensive side of the ball, can we please for the love of everything only hopefully have the same kind of uh, come together at about week eight, week nine that the offense had last year. Uh, but with Baker and Kevin, I still feel like there's an uneasy tension of trying to figure it out that Baker earned some of that power over the playbook, but they just still haven't figured each other out yet, figured out the rhythm of the game, all of that kind of stuff. It's a good point. It's, it's, well, Jake, it's looking at your still. breakdowns over the past five yeah. weeks, tell me if I'm wrong. It looks like, they're scheming guys open almost. I mean, they put up 42 points and yeah. 500 yards of offense. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can pick on one or two Kevin Stefanski play calls all you want, but you want to say he doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what more you want the guy to do. It's just a question of Baker making the right read. How many, I don't know how many times in the last five weeks I've watched you break down the film and heard you say, what are you looking at? Or, you know, something <laughs> like that. He's right there in front of you. So the scheme it seems to me, and you're the film guy, it looks like it's working perfectly. There's guys running yeah. free, okay, most of the time. Now, sometimes, obviously not. It's not perfect, and nobody is saying he is. But it looks like the scheme is running perfectly. But I don't know if they're, if Baker's just not getting through his progressions quick enough. I don't know. I mean, the shoulder, you know, everybody's talked about all those things. I don't know. Do they? Is it, But I, I bristle when I hear the word trust. Because he wouldn't be throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game if there was no trust. I just, it, I don't think that's it. Maybe it's just not clicking for whatever reason. And again, like somebody in the in the uh, in the chat said a minute ago, we also can't. I've been talking about the injuries on the defense. We can't take 
without the fact that their fourth and fifth tackle, one of whom is actually a guard, were playing yesterday. They did a good job from what I saw, but it does affect the playbook and the timing and all that kind of stuff. So it's something else that needs to be taken into, and that's into key, account. The key part of those injuries are where they're at, right? Like two corners, two tackles, which is right. totally different than if it was one tackle and even a guard or one tackle and a wide receiver. The fact that it's your top two corners, your top two tackles, like that stuff compounds itself. It's not right. just two injuries. Like it really compounds itself. We remember what Baker looked like when he, you know, a couple of years ago when they had Hubbard at right tackle um, and Greg Robinson at left tackle, he had no trust and it was just all uncomfortable. So it's a little bit better than that, but you're exactly right. It, those injuries do play a significant role. Yeah. The injury stuff is, is it's, 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 it's creeping year. up right now too. I mean, you're missing, I don't know the nature of Greedy's shoulder. It seemed like when the trainers came out, he was squeezing the hand, which told me, scared me with some stuff with the hand, you know, cause when your shoulder nerve issues happen, it's can I, the reflections, the feeling, the tingling in your hand, We'll see there. He did come back, I think, after he left. I thought he came back for a little bit too. Denzel, the neck thing. I I don't know. I don't know, man. This is like, and I hate to be this dude, but you do eventually have to talk about the availability, right? Like the availability for Denzel, if he misses another chunk of games this year and you want to give that guy a ton of money and he's missed games every single year, the, the trend is the trend until it's not. And it's just a trend. We'll see if he plays. He hasn't technically missed a game, but he really missed the entire game yesterday. Right. So I don't know. Denzel's huge. He's a great football player. Uh, and then you start talking about Jack Conklin. Could you be down your left and right tackle now? He's getting an MRI. MJ Stewart, who's been a surprisingly nice depth piece at both levels of the field. Hamstring issue. Um, I could be forgetting somebody else, guys. I don't remember if I'm forgetting anybody well, else. Well, we, we got new report that Jadavion Clowney, it wasn't his elbow, it was a knee. Um, so, you know, we know his history is littered with knee issues and core issues and all of that. I was, I was like, all right, an elbow, no big deal. Another knee issue. What, what happens there? <sighs> yeah, it's a lot, man. And then, and then you mix in, uh, somebody I'm forgetting, I'm sure Jarvis, they said they're going to try to talk to see if he can get back to running this week. So if he's not quite back to running, that probably tells you he's out a little bit longer. Um, Steve, am I forgetting anybody else? Michael Dunn healthier, but he's not. Did we hear quite there. why? Mc, did we get uh, more information on McDowell? Why he kept going in and out? Did we get information? I didn't see I didn't, anything. I don't think Kevin. Mentioned I was at him. the stadium, so yeah. I didn't notice. I don't think Kevin mentioned him in the post game. There's somebody. Oh, JOK, the throat contusion. Th- two, he got released. Two, two AFC North throat contusions in the same week. I, that's crazy. It's really crazy. I did see Greg Newsom t- uh, tweeted something out today. You know, thanks to God. I don't remember what it was, but it was a positive thing. Yeah. One of those cryptic things. We're all going to argue about what it means. <laughs> and <laughs> just because everybody else in the world is injured, I chose to go the high road and go. That means Greg's back because you know I needed something happy to grab onto when I saw that this morning. The, the doom and gloom comes from the injury report tomorrow with practice, right? Like that's when we'll, we'll see it could be, it could be 10 to 15 to 20 more long. Friday, yeah. but yeah. 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 I well, mean, the, then the you, initial. Have a, you have a, yeah, you have a game coming 10 days, right? You have two games in 10 days right, yeah. too. So, you know, Thursday night football that, you know, they will never do it, but there's a part of the illogical part of me. That's like, 
just punt on these two games. Like let's just hand the ball off and let's get everybody healthy and, and then see what happens in the rest of the season. And they're not going to do it obviously, but man, they just have to be healthy. You can't yeah. play with that many people down. You just, you, you're not going to play at the very level well. They want to go to. Yeah. You know? I think, no. I think they, they go, go they go. So Arizona is going to be tough, but they're obviously good football team. You hope you catch them on a long travel um, off day. That's what I hope they catch them on, but we'll see. But then they go Denver, Pittsburgh, Cincy, New England, and Detroit. I think those are all extremely, extremely winnable games that will be a good stretch. They get three home games in a row here, which is nice. Uh, I think that will be very beneficial for their situation, getting some home games mixed in, staying in their own place for three straight weeks. Even the first road trip isn't very long going to Cincinnati. So that'll help but boy the bye week is needed and it is still so far away i've just you you talk about people start to get to to complaining right guys like they don't have any depth well nobody has depth in their third string left tackle nobody has depth in their fifth and sixth corners and i even thought aj green played hard like i thought AJ really green well, played yeah. well so like you know any nfl team guys i don't care if it's the uh, 2007 pats if you lose enough guys on the front line you're going to be bad. You're just not going to be that good because those are not NFL quality players. So you can only, and, and you really, it's not that shocking to, to see all of the miscommunication because AJ green's kind of newer to that portion of the game. He makes a mistake or the communication between AJ and grant wasn't right. That's again, those, those plays I'm trying to write it up for tomorrow. I don't know. Even John Stephenson, who I think is one of the smartest defensive guys I've ever talked to. He's like, Jake, I don't know, man. I, it looks like a total bust and I don't know who's not communicating or who's not doing it, it. It's a lot of like, I think this is it, but I don't know. They assigned Ronnie Harrison, three of the touchdowns. Uh, so pro football focus gave him three and they gave Grant one. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure how they decided if that was four cover two, six, what, no, you know, like know. all of that, whatever yeah. it was, they didn't do it right. That's you know? for damn sure. That's for sure. Well, I, also, I kept sitting there in the stadium going, I don't know why they keep calling that defense. It doesn't seem to work. It does yeah. not work. But, but it also I mean, explains, let's, so. let's keep, let's keep sight of this too again. And you know me, Jake, I'm yeah. more of a big picture guy, you know, in the moment I'll get upset and, and yell and scream at my television. And then I try to go big picture. Everything we're talking about, all the injuries, all the mistakes, all the things that went against them, they still lost by five on the road to one of the best teams in the AFC. It's not like they had played like this and got beat 57 to nine. It's not like they, they played like this and lost to the Jags. Okay. I, they, they still, I'm not going to say could have, should have beaten an AFC contender on the road, even with all of this stuff that we're talking about that went wrong, which if you step back and try to take emotion out of it, looks to me like everything we said about this team in the preseason is 100% true. It's still right in front of them. Get healthy, clean up some communication issues and knock on wood. Hopefully Baker gets back to being Baker. And I think it's right there. I don't think this is a time for panic. Now, if the injury news on Conklin comes back bad or Denzel comes back, you know, if any of this is season ending, now we're talking about three and a, you know two and a half weeks to the trade deadline or whatever it is, and we need to start looking at some stuff like that. Don't sell the farm, but you're going to almost have to make a move at that point. If it's just they're dinged up and this and that and whatever, then just work through it, man. Find a way to win next week. Find a way to win against Denver, and hopefully by the game after that, you're going to be at least relatively healthy because that solves a lot of issues. This team, guys, this team is still really 
really, really good. Okay. This yeah. is the best football team we've seen since the return in Cleveland. Don't lose sight of that. I'm not saying don't pick on stuff. I'm not saying don't pick it apart. I'm not saying that, you know, everything's great. I'm not rosy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, try to have some context uh, to your panic. <laughs> I will say this, a word to the wise. I know the NFL is a passing league and I know it's a, it's a quarterback driven centered media uh, you know, uh, Titan-based thing. Like, they, it's all around. But please don't take Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and what this offensive line does in the scheme for granted. No, the, you're watching right. special, special stuff with these guys. And I think that we're so consumed sometimes with talking about and dissecting Baker, your boy included. Uh, it ha I'm not, I, don't do, I don't do run game breakdowns. I do a quarterback breakdown. They're so special and i really don't want us to sleep on how good the running game is how good bill callahan is at adjusting and finding things in game i'm still waiting for a team in a neutral situation to figure out how to stop them like i have not seen a team the bears did as well as anybody i've ever seen they were at like 20 combined carries for 60 yards through three quarters and they ran for 100 yards in the fourth quarter like they don't get stopped in neutral situations and I know we are all consumed by the quarterback and whether he's missing or making or whatever. Try to focus sometimes on man. It's really you. you were, we, we might be watching a once in a lifetime running back duo in Cleveland. You may never the rest of your life see two guys sharing a backfield who are this good. And um, it's it's a it's a it's a trifecta of of, of Bill. AVP Scott Peters, the assistant uh, offensive line Kevin. And the backs and and a special group up front and uh, God, but they're so good. They're so good. And Nick is so gifted. He's so gifted. And just a reminder of that when we break down stuff Wednesday with Kyle, uh, you'll get to see it because like you feel like, hey, we scored 42 points and because it doesn't work out at the end, which is a different discussion. You know, Baker's played three games in his career now where he scored 42 points on an offense and they've lost. And that's I think I read the other day that there's no quarterback who's lost more than one of those. So. And again, it's just like it, it has a way like the, the, the end of the game, Steve, you're talking about big picture, the end of the game, the way these games are ending and they're not coming through to 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 push themselves over the hump. You lose sight of how good they're performing in all phases it shouldn't be looked down on a team who runs really well i feel like that happens in today's nfl like you look down on the browns because well all they can do is run well damn they're good at it man they're really good at it and i just kind of want to remind folks to like i know we can get frustrated with odell only has three targets and two catches for 20 and what's going on and why 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 well let's be like let's enjoy and and, and sit back and thankful be thankful for the fact that they got two of these great running backs and an offensive line and an OC and, and, a, and an O-line coach who, who make it seem easy, you know, in a league where it shouldn't be easy. So just wanted to throw that out there, guys. Yeah, 42 points, 500-plus yards. Yeah. I, I really don't know what more you want from the offense. And I, I thought I, the offensive line played really well. They gave up one sack uh, that I think was the tight end's fault. Um, so they really didn't give up a sack. They played well enough to win the game. And I thought, again, I picked apart Baker because that's what I want to do. I want to show you guys how does Baker go from 15, 16, 17, 18, the best quarterback to the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 best quarterback. That's all I'm ever trying to do. He still threw for 305 yards. He still threw for a couple touchdowns. They did enough to win. They just have to start making, to Jared's earlier point, winning plays they're not making enough money down plays and right. enough money situation plays when they need to 
It's hard to be critical of guys going for 500 plus, but the NFL is magnified. As you guys know, it's magnified by those split play. The, the games, they come down to like five plays. They always yep. do. And if you don't make those five plays, you're the loser. And you're the one that everyone's dissecting on the Monday, Tuesday breakdowns. So that once they start doing that and they beat Baltimore on that Monday night football game last year, and they beat the chiefs in the opener and they win this game, it's all Browns 24 seven about how great they are. That's when they turn the corner. And that's when the focus goes less from what's Mayfield's problem to look at this guy leading his team. So again, there's, there's a bunch of things that we do here, guys, where we try to process over results at the OBR, give you the why behind what happens instead of the results based here. It is. You'd make your conclusion. We're trying to help you get to the right conclusion, but you know, guys, it's, it's, uh, it's night and day. We got to keep a big, you know, keep a big picture outlook. They're three and two, a chance to go four and two this week. We'll see what the health looks like. You just hope that, uh, when these MRI results come back, there's nothing too, too major, right? So they can keep competing. Cause there's a nice, like I said earlier, a nice middle of the season stretch here to get some wins on the board and push to where we want to push to. I know a lot of people thought that chargers game was going to be hard to win no matter what really hard to win. And they weathered through, like Steve said, weathered through a lot of injuries and we're still in that game and really should have won that game. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, you know, we're not the moral victory crowd here, Jared, but there are some things that you got to stop, slow down and be like, well, yeah, that's true too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, the variables are the variables. A win is a win and a loss is a loss. Uh, we break it down. We under, we try to understand it. We try to explain it. We try to share our thoughts. Uh, and in the end, we hopefully enjoy it, right? Like I remember Biner and Mac and Brian Brennan and Webster Slaughter. And I'm going to remember Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb till the day I die. Uh, and th- so enjoy it while looking at all the details. Um, uh, you know, as you get older and Jake, you'll get there at some point in time, uh, as you get older, like Steven and I, um, you know, we can't let a Sunday game ruin our Monday. Um, so yes, the loss sucks, but how do we enjoy what we have? How do we break down what we need to get better at? Uh, but how do we appreciate the good? How do we appreciate, uh, what's going on and hope, hope for something better. Worst case, I need Mr. Miyagi type person to get to Cleveland and get those hands going. That's right. And, and, and fix some knees and hamstrings and all kinds of things. Well, I, and guys in the comments, I get it. I, I literally made a preface about the run game and enjoying it by saying that it's a quarterback driven league and Baker's going to take them where they ultimately go. I get it. I'm just saying you can be frustrated with quarterback play, but also be like, we're witnessing something special in the run game. That's also cool to take that perspective. You know, it's not a this or that thing. You can be both, right? Like it can be both. So that's all I'm saying. So, or you can be really mad about the offense still. That's your prerogative. That's totally up to you guys. We're wrapping this show up. Any final thoughts, Steve, anything? Um, the, if, if you're ever given the opportunity to go to SoFi stadium, do it. Good grief. I, I it's beyond words. I cannot describe like what makes I, my, it so cool? Like you're, you, 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 what, like, give me some of the elements. What are your top three aspects of the stadium that make you do the face you're making right now? Uh, well, let's see the, the 6 million foot, uh, board, uh, that goes around the whole stadium. That's, that's right, cool. Massive speakers. We got there a couple hours before the game and we were like, maybe we should go to a bar to watch the early games or whatever. They have all the games. They had all the games the on what? All of them, all of them in the stadium right there wow. right above you. Uh, the, the, 
the uh, the walkways are nice and wide. There's bathrooms everywhere. The facilities are fantastic. There's hardly lines ever uh, at the uh, concessions because they're everywhere. Um, Someone it, said in the, the comments sound, the food sucks though. Was the food not good? Um, I, we had a meatball sub and a piece of pizza. The pizza wasn't very good. The meatball sub was fantastic. Okay. The drinks are ridiculously expensive, but what do you expect? Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> the sound it, they must have uh, have. Um, consulted with like Hollywood acoustic people or something like that. Cause there were people, I still see it today. Oh, it's like a Browns home game. No, it wasn't. There was a lot of Browns fans there. Chargers fans were ear splitting on third and fourth downs. I mean, it is, my ears were ringing. It was like being in a bar where you have to lean this close to somebody and scream to have to yeah. hear, you know, as bars used to go to when you were 21, 22 years old during timeouts. That's how loud it was. My ears were ringing uh, yeah. all last night. It's, a spectacular facility and when they finish the district around it because they're doing one of those you know it's going to be surrounded by bars and restaurants and nightlife and all that kind of stuff there's a casino already right there yeah it's going to be you know if you have if you get the chance go it's worth it it's it's yeah. absolutely 100 there's not a bad seat in the place either it's fantastic it's, it's a fantastic it's facility. similar to arlington what they did with their new baseball stadium and 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 uh you know, the Cowboy Stadium's kind of right there in the same range, but they got these bars around the place that are brand new and these it almost felt Vegas like. Like this is just a completely different environment than if you meander up to Cleveland for a game. So, you know, someday maybe Cleveland does some updates and some things like yeah. that happen. And my yeah. brother, because you know, I've told you guys, you guys have heard this if you watch the show. We've had season tickets in the dog pound since nineteen ninety one. You know, in the old place, the bleachers, and the new place, it's still the end zone seats. And my brother we splurged. My brother and my dad flew out from Ohio. So we're like, let's buy some really nice, super expensive seats. Cause you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So we're sitting in these, I mean, we were clearly the trash, you know, everybody, everybody around us is looking at us going, are you guys check their tickets? You know, I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was that kind of a, so we were clearly out of place. And about the middle of the third quarter, my brother turned to me and he goes, Hey, going back to the dog pound is going to really suck after this. So, <laughs> was, but uh, it's, it's just a fantastic, and you know, the outside, there's this giant man-made disappearing lake and, and I, I can't even describe it. I, I posted some, uh, some videos, but that's the other thing they need to work on. The Wi-Fi is not, the bandwidth is not wide enough. The Wi-Fi was terrible in yeah. the stadium. I'll post some more on my Twitter timeline as the week goes along, some videos and pictures and stuff that I took from our seats. So you guys can see, but Very cool. just a fantastic facility. I hope we all get to go back in February, man. I'm really hoping that'd be great. That'd be something else. Okay, guys, thanks for taking in today's episode. Appreciate your uh, continued support as usual. And not just the Twitch or this podcast, but everything with the OBR. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Your defense notes will be up today for subscribers to the website. I made sure to note that earlier. Just a reminder on that. And then also, check us out on what's called the Bleacher app. We are going to be on Brownie Bites and with my dude Matt. Uh, the Bleacher app is unique. Because, and it's again, it's not spelled with an E there at the end. It's B-L-E-A-C-H-R, the Bleacher app. We do an interactive show called Brownie Bites where you can come in and ask your questions or, or just chill and hang out with us, whatever you want to do. It's a fun show. Uh, we do it every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. So come check out that show. Enjoy it. Chat about the game with us. It's a good interactive platform. Again, it's called Brownie Bites on the Bleacher app. Come check it out. See what you think. Join us for the show. You'll see it posted on my timeline today. I'll preview it. Uh, and, my, and my dude Matt does a great job with that show. So check it out. Otherwise, have a fantastic Tuesday. I remind you once again how much I appreciate your support. If you want a hat 
last week. Your hat will go out this week. I finally got them all gathered up, so I'm just going to get the shipping and send those out. One has already been delivered. We'll do more giveaways like that in the future, but your reviews of the podcast were so fantastic. I thank you so, so much for that. So again, your support drives the show. It means the world to me. Have a great Tuesday. Sign off with our usual. Go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com